You're listening to MLB.com Extras, brought to you by MLB.tv. It's baseball everywhere. Hey, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Anthony Katchmans, and this is our weekly look at the Minnesota Twins. I'm joined, as I am each week, by Rhett Bollinger. And Rhett, the Twins, uh, I, I, it's definitely under the category of too little too late as it pertains to the race, but it's certainly good for the soul that uh, this club is 21-13 and 13 since the beginning of July. That's the second-best record in the majors during that span. They also lead the majors with 199 runs scored in that span. So kind of, I mean, this is kind of the club they expected to be going into the season. They, they expected to have a strong offense, especially. And uh, it, it took a long time to get to this point, but here they are. Yeah, exactly. Like you said, it's kind of too little too late. This team started off 10-33, which is too big of a hole to climb out of. But they have been playing a lot better baseball uh, really over the last two months or so. A little bit above 500, as you said, obviously, it's July 1st. Second-best record in the majors, tied for the most wins. Um, a nice stretch there, and the offense is really been getting going. Uh, you know, it kind of sounds, like, it kind of seems like when Brian Dozier started to kind of click offensively with his power and everything, that's kind of when the team kind of started to turn a little bit. Um, we've seen some younger guys contribute. You know, even guys like Eddie Rosario coming back up, you know, coming back pretty well. Kenny Vargas in limited time, Jorge Polanco in limited time, uh, Miguel Sano starting to kind of at least have a bounce back after a little bit of a talking to. It seemed like last Friday had a nice weekend there in Tampa. Um, and Joe Mauer has been doing, you know, really well. Obviously, him and Kepler being the AL co-players of the week. Uh, Kepler's been a, you know, a, a big part of this offensive turnaround. Um, so yeah, I think the big thing is the offense. The pitching's been a little bit more consistent. Um, still have had some, you know, troubles there in the rotation a little bit. Guys like Duffy have struggled. Obviously, Malone went to the bullpen. Gibson's kind of been up and down. Um, but at least the offense has given them a chance, um, and they're starting to play a lot better baseball. And like you said, it really is kind of the team we thought we'd see. You know, we kind of to be a team to be. You know, at least close to 500 and maybe compete for a wild card spot like last year. And sure enough, with that 10 and 33 start and 0 and 9 start, they were pretty much buried before it was even, you know, kind of starting there. So uh, at least now that they're kind of showing signs, which is a good thing because maybe they can build them a strong second half going into next year. Maybe they really do believe they can compete in 2017. Well, you mentioned Kepler, and uh, boy, if you would have said going into the season that a Twins outfielder would be in the hunt for the Rookie of the Year award, you'd, you know, assume we'd be Byron Buxton. Buxton, of course, was sent down again the other day, and we'll talk about him in a second. But Kepler with the 870 OPS, 15 homers, 13 doubles, he's got a legitimate case for that award, right? Yeah, he really does. And it's pretty amazing, like you said, just kind of think about even just two years ago. I mean, all the hype we always heard about Snow and Buxton, you know, Kepler was always kind of that third wheel kind of in the back, and it was more projection than actual, you know, results. Sure enough, last year he had a breakout year at Double A with the Southern League MVP. Um, and, you know, that small taste of the majors in September call, but I think he only played in one game. Um, but this year, he's really kind of at that breakout year they're hoping for. But I think even he's been doing better than they expected in terms of the power. Um, they always say that, you know, he really backspins the ball. It's kind of the term they use. Uh, but he seems to hit really hard line drives, and sure enough, they just seem to carry out of the park. Obviously, he had a huge series there against the Indians and, you know, a three-home run game, which was, you know, pretty impressive, especially for a rookie. I think it's only a fifth time in Twins history to have three home runs in a game. Um, so, yeah, he's definitely up in that mix. you got to figure that uh, Tyler Naquin with the um, Indians, obviously, is in that mix, and maybe even Kim with the Orioles and former with the Tigers is having a great rookie year. I think he's going to be ninth in the RA right now. So uh, it's just going to be an interesting race, but no one's really kind of separating themselves. There's definitely two months left. If Kepler keeps it going and finishes, you know, with all these home runs and, uh, you know, doubles with the kind of speed he has, uh, he certainly has a really strong case. And, of course, Buxton uh, sent back down and – Still no tangible uh, improvements at the plate at the big league level. How worrisome is this, Red? 
at this point, it's starting to become a little more worrisome. And the thing is, he's, at the same time, though, he's only 22 years old. So we've seen guys, we've seen Jackie Bradley Jr., we've seen guys do this before, um, plenty, and have a, a slow start to their career before they get it going. Um, but for him to be a number one overall prospect for two years straight and then kind of go through this is definitely, uh, you know, pretty rare and definitely worrisome just because more than anything, it's just a contact problem. You know, he's not making contact enough, even on balls in the zone. He's striking out way too much. And with his speed, you know, if he can put the ball in play, uh, he could be, you know, a definitely an above-average player, even if he doesn't hit for that much power or that much average. You know, he could hit 260 and still be a really valuable player just because of his speed on defense and his speed on the bases. Um, so for them, I think it's just a matter of either fixing that swing. I don't know if it's the mechanics of the swing that's the issue or if it's just, you know, a little bit of pressure, you know, mentally just because there's been so much, you know, pressure for him to perform now over the last couple of years if that's been an issue. Um, but I think about AAA, that's kind of let him, you know, hit the reset button, maybe work on that swing down there with Chad Allen, the, you know, hitting coach down there who he works with, you know, a lot and has a good relationship with and really helped him even at AA. Uh, maybe he can kind of get that going because it's definitely worrisome because he was a number one overall prospect. They kind of figured he'd at least kind of figured it out by now. It was clear that he got rushed to the majors last year. Um, but I thought maybe this, you know, kind of final fit, you know, recently they maybe started to get it going and it really hasn't happened. And where are we with Sano? Uh, you mentioned uh, showed improvement over the weekend uh, in Tampa Bay. Also had probably the most impressive pop-out in Major League history when he hit that ball off the Tropicana Field roof, first player to do that. Um, but, of course, you know, there was a lot of talk of a potential demotion of Sano last week, uh, so that was all kind of surrounding him and uh, seems to be responding to it so far. Yeah, it kind of all started with uh, you know, hitting coach Tom Bernanski uh, telling 1500 ESPN over the air that uh, Sano kind of needed to match his you know work ethic with his you know skills that he has because he's obviously incredibly talented, uh, you know all-star caliber type hitter. Um, but I think there's a little bit of question that maybe just kind of you know not that he's lazy or anything, but you know there was he missed uh, you know an early batting practice, wasn't quite maybe giving it his all for the kind of talent that he had. And I think the Twins wanted him to kind of focus on being great instead of merely just, you know, very good in a sense. Um, and kind of wanted to push his buttons, it sounded like. And you know, kind of going through the media, Mulder didn't, didn't, didn't disagree with, you know, Bernanski's assertion and kind of, you know, said that he felt like Sano could, you know, be a little better in that sense. And I think, too, defensively, he's had his, you know, I think, what, 12 errors in 28 games at third base. You know, on the bases, he's made a lot of, you know, running mistakes. Some of it's just being aggressive. But he had to be smarter even yesterday. He doubles, you know, shows a lot of hustle getting the second. And then, sure enough, the very next play is a grounder to shortstop. And somehow, Sano stands there and gets tagged out by Correa instead of getting back to the bag. And there's a great play by Correa. He's a great shortstop. But it's another one of those boneheaded plays where you're like, that's kind of like a, you know, a little league thing. Don't get, you know, don't try to advance on a ground ball to short when you're at second base. Um, so, little things like that, I think he kind of needs to pay attention to things a little bit more um, and, and focus. But the skills are definitely there. And then, like you said, that series and uh, Tampa really got it going offensively. And that pop fly hit the Top of the roof there was pretty incredible. Just like last year, he was in Tampa and he hit that catwalk. Remember that was, you know, yeah. I think it was the B ring, whatever it was. And it wasn't a home run, but it definitely would have been. So uh, that stadium definitely uh, has had some interesting uh, adventures there with Miguel Sano in it. Well, you could say, I and mean, they're hoping he hits his ceiling, and then he hits the ceiling. Uh, <laughs> and I don't know what was more impressive, hitting the ceiling or uh, Evan Longoria tracking it and actually catching that. Uh, pretty, pretty interesting play all around. And then it goes down as a, a pop out to, uh, to five, all the same. Um, you mentioned uh, Kenny Vargas earlier, and kind of a guy back from the brink a little bit here, Rhett. Uh, kind of fallen off the radar back in spring training. Uh, you know, one time he was, uh, you know, maybe seen as the next David Ortiz, kind of uh, at least from pure shape alone. 
uh, and, and power potential, but um, really could have kind of fallen out of their plans. But lo and behold, he comes back here in 21 games, got a 974 OPS backing up Joe Mauer. It's got nice signs of life there. Yeah, absolutely. The big thing, too, truthfully, is just the, the, the walk rate. I think that was kind of the thing. Was yeah. In the minors, he had for power, but he also drew a lot of walks and kind of had that profile of being you know, a power hitter he could also get on base. And he came up here, even during a successful rookie year, you know, showed power and, you know, extra base skill and all that, but didn't really draw that many walks. He struck out a lot, and then, you know, last year, earlier this year and last year, he really, uh, more or less last year, he really struggled to try and, you know, get on base and didn't draw very many walks. You could see that his you know, kind of play discipline and strike zone control needed a lot of work, and sure enough, I think going back to the minors, he really figured that out because that's the big thing that's been different this time around is that he's also drawing walks. He's hitting for that power and all that that he's always had, but he's also drawing walks and not striking out as much. Uh, which is definitely a good sign. It's certainly a small sample size. You don't want to get too excited, but um, definitely a, a good sign from a guy that they had high hopes for. Like I said, a couple of years ago, he had a great rookie season, a big, big second half. They thought, okay, he could be kind of a big power hitter of the future, but clearly decided to kind of move on a little bit in terms of this offseason signing Diego Park instead to kind of be their DH. Um, and now Park's at AAA. So they got to kind of figure out going forward whether it's going to be Rob Anthony or the new GM and kind of see – know how this roster is going to shake out because they have so many guys that are corner infield type players. And obviously yeah. at third base they've got Kloof and obviously Sano and even Blanco to a certain degree. And then at first you've got Maurer and you've got Vargas and you've got Park. Uh, there's just too many guys right now at this point. Too many you know similar positions where I think at this point this off season they got to kind of figure out who they want to go with in those situations. And and maybe they decide they've already had money invested in Park and maybe they try to you know sell Vargas high and try to trade him this off season. Uh, to a team looking for a power bat. So you never know, uh, but definitely no matter what, it's a good sign for the Twins uh, that he's starting to you know, kind of show that offensive potential again. Yeah, one of many big questions they'll be facing the Twins this winter. Uh, I want to thank Rhett Bollinger for joining us to talk about all that, and we'll continue to check with him each week for the rest of the 2016 season. Thank you all for tuning in. This has been MLB.com Extras, Minnesota Twins edition. MLB.tv Premium, the number one live streaming sports service, is celebrating 13 years. Watch every out-of-market regular season game live or on demand in true HD. Real-time highlights, live look-ins, pitch tracking widget, and more. MLB.tv Premium includes a free At-Bat 15 subscription. Watch live baseball on over 400 mobile and connected devices. Watch at home, in the office, or on the go every night on every device. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Visit MLB.tv for details.